Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. You know, I think the common ground that every single person in this room have with one another is the fact that every day we wake up, there's choices to be made, right? We have to decide what you're gonna wear, You have to decide what you're gonna eat. You have to decide what your to-do list is all about. Um, I had a big decision to make two weeks ago. And and you know how we challenged you about three weeks ago of of God making us very uncomfortable in 2023. Many of you heard just a moment ago how uncomfortable God is making me. The fact that I was invited two weeks ago to speak at a ladies' night out is about as uncomfortable as it gets So I had a choice to make. We accept the invitation or we deny it. And me having to follow through with the big mouth I have about being uncomfortable. Okay, God, I get it. I'll step into the estrogen ocean on Thursday night and (laughs) then have at it. So here we go. So women, I go ahead and apologize in advance. So there's no telling what God's going to lay on our heart, but we're going to be obedient with whatever it is. Um, So there are everyday choices that we have to make. There are some choices that will obviously affect the impact a lot longer. Maybe it's who you marry, it's where you're going to work. Maybe it's a college student trying to figure out where they're going to go to college. Um, But what we're going to see today in regards to Joshua chapter 24 is that the children of Israel is going to hear a challenge from Joshua that they have choices to make. That there's going to be absolutely one particular choice that they're going to have to make. And, and my prayer has been, as we enter into this new year, as we enter into 2023, I believe today has the potential to be the start that we all need for God to use us in 2023 like he never has before. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, um, just to sort of catch you up, Joshua chapter 24 is, is Joshua's farewell letter. A lot of preachers, pastors would call this Joshua's last sermon. And so as we look at Joshua's farewell address, as we started last week looking at it, um, I was very encouraged this entire week because the first thing that we noticed last week was that Joshua called all of the children of Israel together at a place called Shechem. And we sort of painted the picture as to the, the why behind that. And what we realized is that, that Joshua was calling them to the place that they would have known God had worked, that God had moved. And throughout this week, I've had so many conversations of people that are in this room. Uh, maybe it was emails or text messages saying that they were able to go back to their Shechem, that they were able to go back to the place that they remember where God did a mighty work in their home, maybe in their life, or maybe in their life as as teenagers. But we all, as a follower of Christ, maybe even not a believer, I trust that we've all got a Shechem. We've all got a place where we've seen God move. And so Joshua calls them back to that place to get them in the right mindset of remembering what God had done. 
And so then he goes on from there and he doesn't just talk about the place, but he talks about the particular events. He's reminding the children of Israel of God's faithfulness. And I think what we all took from last week is that we can all look back through seasons of our life and journeys of our life and and we can remember when God did some monumental things. We can go back to those moments where we've seen and experienced God like we never have before. And so we see that all that Joshua was doing was setting the stage to, to challenge them on what's coming next. In his absence, what are they gonna do? And so the the prayer behind what Joshua was addressing was hoping that this would propel them into the movement that God was gonna call them to next, even in the absence of their leader. And so I want you to start looking with me this morning in Joshua chapter 24. We're only gonna look at two verses um, from this chapter today. Um, So Joshua chapter 24, and let's read verse 14. And we're gonna stop about halfway through verse 14. And you'll see why in just a moment. Joshua says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. As we always notice, we recognize that the therefore is therefore a reason. And he's saying as a result of understanding and remembering all that God has done, here's what you're gonna do as a result of that. Here's what you're gonna do in response to remembering God's faithfulness. Here's what I'm gonna challenge you with. And the first thing that we see he challenges the children of Israel with is he says, fear the Lord. Now, last night, um, my family, for some reason, we love scary movies. And so we were getting ready to watch a scary movie last night. And and Andy, my 13-year-old, crawls up in my lap and she's laying on me as we're getting ready to watch this movie. And you know, as a dad, I'm really going to comfort her, right? (laughs) wrong. My recliner's right next to a window, and I kept throughout the movie, I'd say, Andy, who is that man looking in the window at us? And oh, she hated it. That's not at all what the fear of the Lord is talking about. It's not the screaming. It's not the startling. It's not being fearful of as like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? In the context of what Joshua was reminding them of, to fear the Lord is to stand in awe to stand in in wonder of the mighty work of God. And so when they're remembering back, it's creating a fear, it's creating an awe because they realize what God is capable of. They've seen his power, they've seen all that he can do, and they stand amazed at what he's capable of. I can't help but to think that that's exactly how TCU felt on Monday night. They were stood in awe of what Georgia was capable of. They stood in awe of what was happening. That's kind of the same reverence that I feel that we, as followers of Christ, that we stand amazed at the power of God. We see God move in magnificent ways, and we stand back in awe of what we know that he's capable of. And so when they remember all that God was doing, they would have been taken to a place of fear, of reverence, of awe, of knowing the power which God held. So then he says, you're not only gonna fear him, but we're gonna serve him. Now, I would love to say that there's some very detailed underlying definition to this word serve, but it's really not. It comes at face value. Serve means to labor for, 
to work for. Or if I was gonna translate it in my mind, it would be to simply live for. To live for something, to live for someone. And so not only is he saying that you must fear him, but you must serve him. And so what I love about when Joshua is speaking here is he tells them the condition in which their heart is to serve him. We don't serve God out of obligation. We don't serve God out of we have to. The reality is, as he says, I want you to serve God in sincerity and truth. Now, the way that I would relate to this as a parent, and many of you are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. How many times have we asked our children to do something? And when we ask them to do something, we do it from a place that we're just hoping we know what the response is gonna be. And that response is, sure, Dad, whatever it is that you need me to do, I'm here, right? That's the heart. That's what we hope the response is gonna be because we think if they will respond, sure, Dad, sure, Mom, whatever it is that you ask of me, then that is a reflection of how much they appreciate us how much they realize that we have sacrificed for them, how much they realize that we love them, that we've done for them. But I don't know about your house, but most of the time when I ask my child to do something, it comes with an, ah, or there's just that breath. You know as a parent exactly what I'm talking about, right? <sighs> Or there's the eye roll. And so as if they don't know what we've sacrificed, if they don't know that we're the one that gave them life, we always serve, we always respond as a loving parent, right? Hey, in case you forgot, I'm the parent that brought you into this world and I will very quickly take you out of it, right? But we want them to respond in sincerity and truth because if they respond the right way, then that helps us believe that they truly appreciate us, that they truly love us, that they truly understand all the sacrifices that we've made for them up to this point. But you know, the more I thought about that, I realized that in most cases, when we ask our children to do something and, and it's met with the huff or the eye roll or the whatever that is, what I've understood and what I began to realize is that what that signifies is that in their mind, what they're doing in that moment is much more important than what I'm asking them to do. It's them saying, Dad, I've got something going on right now and what you want me to do is not near as important as what I do, as what I'm doing, what I'm currently involved in. So Dad, just don't bother me right now because I'm busy. So I would venture to ask ourselves the question, how do we respond when the God of our salvation calls on us to do something? Do we respond like the people of the Old Testament and do we say, here I am, Lord, send me? Or do we subconsciously meet God's request with a, a huff or an eye roll or an ugh? Look, last Thursday or two weeks ago, when they asked me to speak at the women's night out, you know what I did? Oh, what? You want me to do what? This must be a prank call, because this can't be reality. 
But what I've realized is that a lot of times in my life, in my disobedience, when I don't jump at the opportunity for God to use me, when God opens a door, ultimately what I'm saying is, God, what I'm doing right now is much more important than what you're calling me to do. So God, the timing's not right. God, I'm busy. God, I'm preoccupied. God, uh, just come back later. And so the heart that we want for our children, you understand that's the heart that God wants for you as his child. Because when we respond in obedience, it's a very, very simple way for us to say, God, I understand what you've done for me. God, I understand what you've sacrificed for me. And so God, because I know you love me, because I know what you've provided for me, God, I know what you've done. God, there's nothing I wouldn't do. So God, here I am. Here I am. Send me. And so Joshua was, he's simply challenging the children of Israel. I want you to have a heart of sincerity and truth when you serve him. But then Joshua goes on to give more specific instruction. How can you have a heart of sincerity and truth? Here's some things that you can do to help with that heart condition. Keep reading in verse 14. He says, and put away the gods, the little g, the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. He's challenging the children of Israel. Put away all of the little g gods that your father served. Now, to really understand the context of what Joshua was talking about here, we have to know a little bit about these little g gods of the Old Testament. And what I mean by that is the, the truth is, is they were being taught that if your flesh wants something, if you desire something, that there's a certain God that you can worship and he'll provide what it is that you need. So there's always a, a selfish motive in this type of worship. There's always a selfish heart in this type of worship. And so there's certain little g gods that were believed to be able to provide certain things. And the exhausting part is that there was a God for everything. There was a God of the crops. There was a God of wealth. There was a God of the sun. There was a God of provision. There was a God of power. And so what the fathers were teaching them were, if these are the things which your heart longs for, if these are the things that you desire, then you've got to worship that God in order to receive it. And so, like I said, there was a laundry list. There was a grocery list of, of gods. Well, if I want this, then I've got to worship this God. If I want this, I've got to worship this God. And there's just this exhausting list that was there for them to basically entertain their flesh and get what their flesh desired. And so their fathers would have taught them this. And so again, Joshua, that gives back to the reason that Joshua continues to remind them of Yahweh, of God. Are you telling me I'm needing water? Are you the God of the water? You provided it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to break the awkwardness up because everybody saw her. There's no smooth way to do that. But we see there that, I can, now I'm distracted, Sorry. 
But this is another reason why Joshua spent the first, teen, first 13 verses of chapter 24 reminding them of all that God had done. He said, hey, he's Yahweh. He's the provider of it all. So there's no need for this laundry list of little G gods when the God of your salvation provides all that you need, all that your heart desires. And so in short, when he tells them to put it away, Joshua is saying, get rid of everything. Get rid of everything that you're turning to that's not of God. Get rid of everything that you're turning to to get what you want and focus on the one true God. So scholars believe that if you were to pull some of these children of Israel aside and you were to ask them, who's the God of comfort? Who provides you with security? Who provides you with provision? Who provides you with peace? Then for the most part, all of the children of Israel would have said, God, I believe Yahweh can do anything. I believe that Yahweh can provide everything that I need. But even in their profession of that, Scholars believe that they still would have been dabbling in the worship of the little G gods. And so when it got down to the, the end of the day, they thought, hey, you know what? I believe that God can do all of that. But you know what? In secret, I don't know that I fully trust that. So I'm gonna continue to entertain and dabble in the worship of these little G gods just in case just in case the God of my salvation can't do that. And so if I were to ask all of us, this room, everybody in here, who do you believe is your provider? Who do you believe is your comfort? Who do you believe is your security? Who do you believe can give you all that you need, all that you need to accomplish what he wants you to do? Probably 99.9% .9 of us would say God. We would say that God can do that. I believe that God is all of that. But the reality is, is what we have to realize is that even in the deepest place of our heart, we believe that God is that. You realize we wake up every day in a world that is telling you that the world can provide everything that God can we wake up every day and face a world that is telling us that who your provider is, the world's telling us, while we're in our hearts saying, I believe God is my provider, deep in your heart, the world is telling you it's your job. And so when we realize that, we think about, okay, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is my identity. I believe that I am who I am because of who he is. So we may believe in our heart that our identity is in Christ Jesus, but the world tells us that our identity is in our self-image. That we've got to be skinny enough, that we've got to be strong enough, 
We gotta be tall enough. See what I did there? And so while we believe in our heart that our identity is in Christ, the world is telling us that no, your identity is found in your self-image and what the world thinks of you, the way the world looks at you. If I were to ask you this morning, who is your hope? We would say that it's God. But we've got a world that's telling us that our hope is the success of our business or the success of how much money we make or the success of the prestige that we earn in our community. And so next we keep looking and we may think in your mind, well, God is my comfort. I believe God is my comfort, but you've got a world telling you that your comfort is found in your isolation. That your comfort is found when you can just sort of hide from things. When you can just pretend that it doesn't exist that it's not there. And I've said so many times, if the enemy can isolate you, he can destroy you. If the enemy can isolate you, he can destroy you. Because what happens in this isolation is this is when you begin to participate in things that nobody knows about. This is when we see the addiction to pornography skyrocket. This is when we see our teenagers begin to struggle with self-harm. It's because the enemy's telling them, hey, just, just hide. Just hide. You need comfort. And I don't believe that God can do it. So just hide. That's the one that can provide it, is this God of isolation. For all of us, we would say that God is our confidence. He's our, our strength. But the world tells us that your confidence is gonna come through relationships. Is that right? Yeah. Y'all how bad this is stretching me because I'm so nervous I'm gonna misspell something. So y'all just call me out, it don't matter. Okay, please do. I was a PE teacher, I didn't have to spell a whole lot. <laughs> but the reality is, is you may think that your comfort is found only in if you have the right man. The right woman, that success is defined by that your marriage is perfect, that there's no issues in your marriage. Women's night out Thursday night, the title's Be Real. So we may be sharing some being real in the marriage. But the enemy tells you that it's only found if you have the right relationship. Most of us would say that our security is in God. But what breaks my heart as, as a parent, as an, a dad, and even as a former coach, is what is heartbreaking is that a lot of our security is found in our child's success. And we're living vicariously through our children. And we're willing to spend any amount of money to make sure that it's found in our child's success, that our security is found in that. We believe that, that he's the God of peace. But you've got a world telling you that peace is only found through alcohol, through drugs, prescription drugs. Drugs. 
And so ultimately what we see here is we see the battle that we must face every single day. We believe that God is the God of it all. But we live in a world that is telling us that all of these things can provide the very same thing that the God of our salvation provides. And so Joshua goes on to tell them, he says, hey, you gotta put it away. You've gotta put away the gods of this world. You've gotta put away the little g gods of this world. And so look, I'm a very simple-minded guy. I like to be able to see things. So if we step back and we identify the things that we need to put away on this list, it's not rocket science, okay? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna call this bucket one, and we're gonna call this bucket two. See, I'm really complicated, aren't I? So if we've gotta put away anything that's not God, it's pretty self-explanatory. And so God, the God of our salvation, is a standalone. He's over here in bucket one. And so as the Spirit of God is revealing to you today, what do you need to put away? What are you running to to provide the only things that God can provide? What are you running to instead of him? And so what you need to do is you need to begin your bucket list today of the things that you need to put away, the things that you need to turn from. And we need to begin to separate, put child success where it belongs, put isolation where it belongs, put our job where it belongs, put self-image, put success, put relationships, put the drugs and the alcohol, put all of it where it belongs. And once the categories are defined, then we must continue to do what Joshua was telling the children of Israel to do. We must take a step back and look at what he says in verse 15. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, here you go, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which are beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So in 2023, you're gonna have decisions to make. You're gonna have choices to make. And what Joshua was calling the children of Israel to do is the very thing that I wanna call you to do, the thing that I wanna call myself to do. I've gotta choose this day who's going to fill the void in my heart. I've gotta choose, I have a choice to make. Am I gonna continue to run to the list on bucket two or am I gonna turn to the only one who I know fulfills the Savior-sized hole in my heart? the void that I feel when I wake up daily. Because what we're gonna realize is that when we see all of the things in bucket two, you're gonna realize that your child's never gonna be as successful as the world wants them to. And that ain't really fair to your child, just to be honest with you. 
you're gonna realize that isolation often ends in destruction. You're gonna realize that you're never gonna achieve enough in your job. You're gonna realize that you're never pretty enough, that you're never strong enough, you're never tall enough. Y'all see what I did there? Y'all can laugh there too. (laughs) Through the world's lenses, you're never gonna be successful enough. Your relationship is never gonna be perfect. Let me repeat that. Your relationship will never be perfect. Alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs, we all know. It leads to devastation. It leads to disaster. And so what we realize is that everything in bucket two is gonna lead to disappointment. It's gonna lead to heartache. It's gonna lead to destruction. But what we can look at when we realize in bucket one, when we think about our Shechem, when we think about all that God has done is the fact that he is always faithful. He's always faithful. So the children of Israel had a choice to make. And for all of us, we have a choice to make. Are we gonna serve the little G gods of empty promises? Are we gonna serve the only God, the giver and the sustainer of life? You know, I've heard it said so many times that a true leader will never ask of those he's leading to do something he's not willing to do himself. And so here you have Joshua telling the children of Israel, hey, you got a choice to make. You better make up your mind, get off the fence. Are you gonna serve the little G gods or are you gonna serve Yahweh? But he's not only challenging them to do that. He's not only calling them to raise the bar, but look at what Joshua says. He says, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was saying, I don't really care what your decision is, but here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm choosing today who I am going to serve. So the truth behind that is that is a decision that you must make. Who are you gonna serve? Meaning, who are you gonna work for? And ultimately, who are you gonna live for? We've all got a choice to make. And where the life of following Christ is so difficult, while we believe that trusting in Jesus for salvation is a one-time decision, but as far as choosing this day whom you will serve, it's something we've gotta do daily. It's something that we have to do daily because we gotta realize, though, we may acknowledge this. We've got a world who's telling us this. And we've gotta die to the fact that none of these things can provide this void we have in our heart. But you gotta make up your mind this day and every day who you will serve. That's why we read to renew your mind daily. 
And so we see that there's a big decision to make. When we step back, when we observe the things in bucket two, when we observe the things in bucket one, we have to take the advice of Joshua. We have to step back, look at it, and make a choice. I'm reminded of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter seven. Many of you may be familiar with this passage, but it it kind of parallels the exact thing that Joshua is talking about. In Matthew chapter 7, 13 through 14, Jesus says this, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who will find it. Jesus is telling them, you got a choice to make. You got a choice to make. Are you gonna choose the broad path? Are you gonna choose the narrow path? And so the easiest way to understand this is to simply talk about some facts of the difference and the similarities or just the differences between the broad path and the narrow path. The broad path is the path that each and every person in this room begins on. Every person in this room begins on the broad path. Meaning that without the intervention of Jesus Christ, without him interceding for us, we're headed to destruction. We're headed to death, a spiritual death. And so this broad path is the path that everyone starts on. The broad path is spacious and it's very easy to follow. Very easy to follow. The broad path is popular because everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. But at the end of the day, what we realize about the broad path is what we've discovered looking at bucket two, that the broad path leads to destruction. It leads to heartache. It leads to disappointment. It leads to discouragement. But then we look at the narrow path. The narrow path is It's very unpopular. The narrow path is a a path that's much tougher to travel. You know, I think about my kids and I think about the mission field that God's given them in the public school. Walking the narrow path for our teenagers is gonna get harder and harder and harder. Our teenagers have to wake up every day. Same as you and I. And they have to choose this day whom they will serve. I think about my oldest son and I think about 
some tough decisions that he's had to make lately. And what I've realized is that as a dad, I've given him some pretty bad advice. But every time I tell him, Mark, here's what I think you should do. Here's what I think you need to be doing. But I want you to pray about it. And I want you to ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And on three different occasions within the last four months, Brock comes to me and he says, Dad, I know what God wants me to do. And it's not what you've asked me to do. And so I said, Brock, you, God deserves your faithfulness, not me. And so I'm gonna be your biggest cheerleader. Buddy, you stay faithful. And you guessed it, even in that faithfulness comes heartache, comes frustration, comes discouragement. But what I love is God is proving himself faithful. God is proving himself faithful. So as your pastor, my education is now coming from a 15-year-old. That ought to excite you. But this narrow path, this narrow path is one that you and one that I, that we've got to choose to step on. We're not forced into this narrow path. It's a decision that we have to make. But in entering into this narrow path, entering into this place that's not as popular, what you've got to be ready to do is leave a lot of things behind on the broad path. You've got to leave a lot of the things that are in bucket two, not a lot of the things. You've got to leave all the things in bucket two on the broad path when you enter into the narrow path. But the beauty of it is, the narrow path is the only thing that leads to life. The only thing that leads to fulfillment. And so in response today, I don't think that there's anybody in the room that can't relate to something that has been shared today. I think there's something for everybody. And what I mean by that is I've sort of broken it down to three categories of individuals. And the first category is this, there's some people in this room that you're longing for comfort, you're longing for peace, you're longing for provision, you're longing for joy. And you've realized today that the places you are looking for it is in bucket two. You continue to run to this world. You continue to run to all the things that the world offers and what you continue to find over and over and over again is it's not fulfilling what you're longing for. 
And so a lot of times it's the snowball effect. You experience something and it doesn't satisfy, so you try a little deeper. You try a little deeper. You try a little deeper and then all of a sudden you find yourself here. And there's people here today that that that's where you're at. You're running to the things of this world. If I could ask you to do anything today, I can invite you into a relationship with God, but I believe the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart right now, and that's why you're very uncomfortable. I would ask you today to choose to trust Him. Now listen, it doesn't mean all the problems are gonna be fixed. It just means now that you're gonna journey through the problems not on your own. You're gonna have the comforter, the provider, the hope that comes by way of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with him and you're trying the things of the world, there's the old hymnal, try Jesus. Somebody needs to try Jesus today. The second group of people there are those who would say, hey, I know God is my everything. But this right here sums you up. You believe this to be true. You believe that God is the provider of all of these things, but you're still dabbling in the little G gods. And so you need to ask the spirit of God today to help you put away the things, put away anything and everything that's not him. You see, the problem is a lot of these things that we talk about are not bad things. They're good things. But the problem with us in our spiritual immaturity is how many times do we take the good things and turn them into God things? We take the blessings of God and we give them a higher seat on the throne. And today you need to step back and you need to help God help you put away the things of the world. Or lastly, maybe maybe you already know exactly what they are. You already know the list. And maybe you're in that moment today where it's time you choose. God, I'm choosing you today. God, I'm choosing you today. I'm sorry, God, that I've been running to bucket two. God, I'm sorry that yes, I believe you're the one true God, but I'm still dabbling with alcohol. I'm still dabbling with drugs. I'm still dabbling with all of these things that the world offers to fill the void that God, I know only you can provide. You want God to use you in 2023? Choose this day who you will serve. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. 
and also a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.